Hello everyone, this is Catatonia, a cultural podcast about Puerto Rico, trauma, and unscrewing ourselves out of post-hurricane shock. My name is Huascar Robles, I am from Caguas, Puerto Rico, and I am recording here from Harlem, New York. Uh, it's um, 7th of January, the day after Three Kings Day, El Dia de los Reyes, and I'm recording in the morning, so you might hear some sirens from the fire um, house next door, or some of the um, local ambience uh, sound that um, made this place so so special. Um, so we have a few things that I wanted to go over today. Our our episode today is called um, Puerto Rico's After Party, and it's a clear reference to um, how Puerto Rico is handling the trauma um, of, uh, of the hurricane during the holiday season and why um, perhaps we should um, lower the music and start thinking again about this problem because they're coming back with vengeance. Um, I just want to go over a few things on, on my first podcast. Um, uh, I talked about my mom in earnest about her experience here. She really does not know if she wants to stay or return to Puerto Rico, and I, I still want listeners to share with me their experiences with their family members who have come back from uh, Puerto Rico and are staying with them. Throughout the next few episodes, I will, st I will still discuss what is happening with my mom as she, as she adapts. Um, we celebrated Christmas and New Year's here in my apartment. Um, it was a very um, different kind of um, celebration. Yes, we made uh, pernil and arroz con gandules, and pasteles, um, but it was a more somber celebration, um, and uh, you know there's a lot of reflection of what happened, and not that we allow ourselves to discuss a lot of this past events, but they're definitely in our subconscious because we can't we can't avoid it. Um, on, a ver on a very personal note, I missed being out with my friends on, on New Year's. I wanted to be out and about um, to see them, go to their parties, have some fun. Um, instead, I was kind of stuck here, and I enjoyed it to the level that I can enjoy, you know, being, you know, a little more subdued. I, I really wanted to um, be like I was before, and I realized that sometimes, you know, you, I'm adapting myself to this new reality. Um, of living with my mom, um, she's awesome. She just adopted a pigeon. Um, there's a there's a pigeon that she's been feeding, and I didn't know. So one day I I, I open the window to let some out of the hot air out, and this bird come flying towards the window instead of away from it. And I'm like, what is that? And she's like, oh wait, that's my pigeon. And and they apparently she's been feeding this pigeon. And now every time that someone opens the window, this pigeon comes back, you know, like you know, asking for food and. In a way, I, I, it's cute because she, she's got a pet. She feels like she has some structure because she feeds it, she feeds the plants. So I think she's um, finding some sort of normal, normalcy here. Um, I also wanted to uh, talk about a few books that I've been reading. Um, you know, I, I went to Haiti after the earthquake and I read a few books after that to help me understand what was happening. I read books by Jonathan Katz and and Amy Wylands, and um, I figured now that we're discussing Puerto Rico, I wanted to see how other authors were assessing trauma 
um, by natural disasters. So I read um, Josh Neufeld's uh, New Orleans After the Deluge. Um, it's, a, it's a graphic novel about different characters um, who experience the um, Katrina hurricane in different um, fashions, each, each one. And it's um, amazing because throughout this journey, even though it's a graphic novel, you can grasp the trauma, the impotence, and um, how these lives remain suspended after the hurricane. And uh, I felt very identified. Um, and um, I thought, what a great way to start to, to start this conversation through a graphic novel. I'm really um, influenced by Josh in the sense that he, he was blogging a lot about the topic and then all of a sudden this this became a book. Um, I am also reading um, Richard Lloyd Perry's uh, Ghost of the Tsunami, which is about the tsunami, 2011 in, um, in Japan. And this is a remarkable book. It really, really just um, touches me because it's how the culture deals with this trauma. In their case, there's a very spiritual reaction. Um, people felt that they were being possessed by the spirits of the dead. Um, and that's just a way of culture assessing, you know, how people grieve. Death in Puerto Rico, it's a huge topic and it's developing. And we'll talk about that in the next episode. Um, but, you know, the the death count uh, was undermined by the secretary, uh, Hector Pesquera, which now seems to have ballooned. And we'll talk about that in, in debt later. But how culture assessed that, how regional culture assessed that. Um, so uh, those two books, Ghost of the Tsunami and New Orleans of the Deluge, um, might be mispronouncing some of those words. English is not my first language. <laughs> um, I also want to talk about really quickly this, this project by a colleague and friend called Ro Joseph Rodriguez, who he and I will... Um, host an episode together next week um, his website Puerto Rican Lament dot Visura dot co it's Puerto Rican Lament dot V-I-S-U-R-A dot C-O it's a, a project um, to you know raise awareness about what's happening on the island through the very specific lens of Joseph uh, Joe has been covering similar events for decades he um he is a voice um, in the Latin community, but he's a global voice for the Latin community. For that, for him to have kind of come out of retirement to go to Puerto Rico, it's important, and I want to uh, make sure that people are looking at his project. Um, all right, so why Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Rico's after party? Well, um, yesterday was a Three Kings Day, and... Um, an important figure in Puerto Rican politics came into view again. Um, her name is Beatriz Rosello. And listen, I'm not here to, to start bashing on the First Lady. I'm just pointing out a few things that happened, and I want to create an, a critical view of what happened. You make the choice. Um, but at this event for the Three Kings Day in a town of Macao that was hard hit by the, by the hurricane, she, um, like picked up some fake snow and she blew it and say now there's snow in Macau um was criticized and ridic you know and ridiculed by by many people because 
Snow represents some of this sort of obsession with uh, U.S. culture in Puerto Rico. Um, there's been fake snow in Plaza Las Americas, this huge shopping mall during the winter, which is I also find kind of ridiculous. Um, but to do it on Three Kings Day, so let me talk about Three Kings Day, even though it has its roots clearly in the Middle East, the three kings that went to see Jesus in the manger. Um, Puerto Rico is a time on the holiday season where we feel a little bit more patriotic. Whether you are pro-statehood, status quo, or you are pro-independence, Three Kings Day is the day that belongs to Puerto Ricans because Christmas was hijacked by Santa, and then you know New Year's New Year, is like Switzerland, it's like neutral. But then this is the time where no matter where you're from, Three Kings Day is sacred. So for someone to start blowing snow, fake snow in the middle of an event, it's kind of odd. Um, but this is not the worst thing that happened to um, uh, Miss, um, the, the, f the First Lady of Puerto Rico, Beatriz Rosselló. Earlier, um, I think it was last week, she had presented a proposal to make, um, to use some of the funds from a nonprofit that she had um, organized called Unidos por Puerto Rico to redevelop and spruce up parks and recreation facilities in 78 municipalities, which in theory, it sounds like a great idea, right? I mean, you know, you, you, you go, you fix common spaces and um, you create jobs and you make the area pretty and more attractive. I mean, that sort of helps develop a general well-being. Um, but this is a problem that a lot of people had. You know, $30 million in total were, fit, were, were fixed. So there's, uh, there They were planning on using, I think it was 75 grand for each municipality. So there was going to be money just for that. So perhaps they just thought we'll use, we'll earmark some of this money for the parks, and then the rest is for um, other humanitarian crises. Uh, however, this is the problem that that money was raised to help the humanitarian crisis, not to spruce up the area. Um, and um, the The fact that, again, private donations are used to do to fix government property, it's troubling because that is a huge problem in the aftermath of any natural disaster, is letting the private sector and private donations to be used to fix public property. This is the responsibility of the government, and mainly the government, the responsibility of the U.S., who has notoriously been trying to sidestep Puerto Rico. So, no, we are not going to use funds given by tons of people all over the world who saw these people in Puerto Rico dying of hunger, and we're not going to use it now to fix sparks. Now, my other comment about this is that ever since the advent of shopping malls in Puerto Rico, the public spaces are pretty much obsolete. I'm sorry, but we have plazas on each municipality. They're very beautiful. They represent our, you know, Spanish heritage, but nobody goes there. Very few people go there. Why? Because ever since the big mega stores started to show up, that's where they go to mingle. Um, people on a Sunday, like today, even on a day like Christmas or a day like Three Kings Day where they go to church they go to some social event and then they go to the mall then they go to Walmart then they go to Kmart that's what they do unfortunately so I don't have anything against business I'm just saying that you know the development 
was spearheaded towards convincing people that the being in air conditioner and spending money was better than being in public and, and spending time with your neighbor. So to think that helping and doing this kind of work was going to um, help people enjoy the public spaces is really shows the lack of um, ignorance in, um, in the history of urban planning on the island. So, and that, that goes to my next point. Um, you know, whether the, whether the first lady is blowing snow in, in Macau, whether she is um, sharing um, news about this, about this park rehabilitation, which again, let me just repeat, it might have been money earmarked for that, while there was other money earmarked for humanitarian um, for humanitarian purposes, I still believe that the infrastructure behind these politicians it's flawed. Someone needs to create a better research before they start talking about these issues. I mean, they cannot just go in public and say things like that because it undermines the island. When someone goes to Congress and say, "Hey, we really need help." To do um, to re- to reconstruct the island, they're gonna look at the record of what's happening and say, like, "Well, you're making a parody of your reconstruction." I want to veer now and talk about something more positive. So yes, Puerto Ricans are celebrating after and during the hurricane. Um, there was an article in the New York Times by Erika P. Rodriguez. I met Erika a while back. Um, she's a dedicated journalist. And while we're not close friends, I've just been following the fact that she's been able to be in the island and cover certain aspects. And, you know, I, I studied um, at the, with the DART Center for Journalism and Trauma, where I was um, taught that the initial trauma is important to be covered. But then you have to really focus on, on what people are doing to reconstruct. So... We show people taking agency over their own actions. And that's what Erica did in this article. You know, she showed how Puerto Ricans were celebrating in spite of their trauma. And um, she starts with a photo of a paranda. Paranda, it's our version of caroling, but don't think of it as caroling. You know, caroling, it's like four or five, like, really, like, well-behaved, you know, children in front of your house, just like, Singing, uh, very quiet. No, it's completely opposite. These are like, tw- like between fifty and a hundred um, people, adults, kids, all elderly. They all show up at your house. You know, maybe ten percent of them, and they show up in your house and they they yell asalto, which means like hands up, which has like a sort of like <laughs> negative connotation there. But of course, after they say that and they wake you up, they sing until you open the door, and then when you open the door, you have to feed them and give them drinks and then they leave and um, you know they have the guiro maraca pandero and the guitarra all these instruments so it sounds a little bit like this that's what a paranda sounds like when you're in your house and a paranda shows up you're sleeping you're in the middle of the dark you can hear the crickets you can hear the coquis and all of a sudden you hear the paranda. Asalto! Tan, 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 tan. Whatever the music is, I'm not going to sing. 
it turns darkness into light. It brings the most quiet and sublime moment into the most joyous occasion. And all of a sudden, there's community, there's friendship. People, we forget what party, what political affiliation you have from. We're just celebrating, we're together. And that's why Barandas, to me, remind me of when I was in my little town in Caguas in the in that mountain and nobody, you know, very few of us lived and all these people showed up and I felt like I was again with people, you know, not with cows and, and, and the farm animals that were around. There I was, a bunch of strangers just laughing it off. Um, it was great. It was great. So I completely transported to Puerto Rico through that article. Um, I haven't been able to go back. I've been here taking care of my family here. So I'm not going to get emotional. As you can see from my last episode, I'm a crier. But man, did I, did I really enjoy reading that. I, I also enjoyed the fact that Erica wrote about those who cannot celebrate. They don't have a reason to celebrate. They believe that um, things didn't go so well for them. Their family is gone. Some of them passed away. Their communities are dispersed so they're like no no we have no reason to celebrate and that's okay too um that's a reality and i'm glad that that's there because um we have to acknowledge that the party's over you know we celebrated three kings day was yesterday now we get up our shovels and keep going um a sobering sobering article that reminded me that the party is over was another documentary by the new york times and this documentary is called Inside a Suicide Prevention Center in Puerto Rico by Caitlin Dickerson and Ted Bourne. Um, this very short documentary talks about how this uh, one uh, center for suicide hotline um, is helping Puerto Ricans cope with their psychological uh, impact of the, uh, of the hurricane. They're very calm, very eloquent, and they speak to the camera or the reporter about their perils. They don't feel sorry for themselves. They just talk about this very important fact. And they are also the victims of the hurricane. So I'm just surprised that these people are just there, cramped in little tiny um, desks, sometimes taking two phone calls at a time, helping other Puerto Ricans get by. There's one beautiful um, scene where one worker tells... A, a, a caller your life is worth it your life is worth it that really just sh- like blew me to tears there's another one um, when she's asking uh, a caller if she wants to activate the 911 um, call which means that at this point I'm sorry I'm just getting a little emotional but at that point You're just giving your your life, whatever's happening, whatever is in your head, you're just passing it on to someone else. And someone shows up at your house with a with a with a with a stretcher, I don't know, just strangers showed up at your house and try to see if they, you know, how to help you cope and they bring you to a hospital where you probably don't know anybody. And you're scared. You're scared shitless. And you want to live, but you don't know how because you don't have no food because you have, you're missing so much. So many people are gone and you're alone. 
And there's people in the center are doing their best to keep these people alive. Like, I don't want to be an endorser for, for, you know, the New York Times or the center. It's just a reality, period. Um, so the last scene of the documentary, the two workers are talking among, among you know, themselves and they're discussing how much they are suffering themselves and I just realized, like, wow, that they are, they're also victims, but they're also trying to get up and help others while they have to help themselves and they have no support. According to the article, if I heard correctly, this is the one and only suicide center. Now, imagine that you are a worker in this overcrowded space and you're taking phone calls 24 hours a day and you hear that the first lady wants to pour money into parks. Wouldn't you get a little bit angry? Of course you would. This, in spite of how media twisted this parks recreation madness, this was spun incorrectly by the administration and carelessly without thinking how this might affect people. I mean, that, that news in itself is a blunt trauma to someone's brain by telling them, hey, you know, before we take care of you, we're going to take care of parks. It, again, even if that wasn't the, the, uh, the intent, even if there were going to be side-by-side um, humanitarian and structural work together, to not address the mental state of the island after the earth after this hurricane come on the priorities are skewed or people are just not speaking correctly or they're not, not they're not addressing these issues but something needs to happen that they need to wake up people are still dying and people are trying to die every time a drop of water falls from the sky people go into post traumatic stress Again, I'm not trying to sound like a pundit, and I hope that you know in, in next episodes we have more conversations and less of me ranting. But I needed to talk about these issues because it happened this week, and I don't want them to go unnoticed. Um, all right. So on a positive note, uh, I do have Joseph Rodriguez in the next episode talking about his amazing work and and his perspective. He's covered Katrina. He's covered many conflicts around the world, um, and he's Puerto Rican, and he he was about to retire and then he said no I want to go back and start working about you know on my island and um, it's a beautiful conversation that we have many uh, one of many that we're going to have um, I appreciate your, your listening your comments um, hey we're rebuilding together I'm part of many podcasters who are trying to do something to just raise awareness um, through cultural criticism through introspection, through personal criticism and personal introspection, I'm rediscovering myself throughout every single sentence here. I hope you are too. Um, remember Catatonia, unscrew it. See you soon and uh, have a wonderful week.